Welcome to the Wisdom and Wealth Podcast, a series of conversations designed to equip you, our listener, with the helpful insights necessary to simplify the critical decision points of life. I'm Josh Clues, a wealth advisor with Carson Wealth here in the Woodlands, Texas. I believe my calling in this life is to enable others to fulfill their own calling by helping them harness their financial wealth to their purpose in life. Please join me each week for market thoughts, planning ideas, and most importantly, intangible balance sheet discussions, which highlight the importance of all those things money can't buy and death can't take away. Investment advisory services offered through CWM, LLC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Hello and welcome in again to another of the Intangible Balance Sheet episodes for the Wisdom and Wealth Podcast. I'm Josh Clues, as always. Today, I'm joined by Kristen Porter. She's going to share a little bit more uh, about her uh, Intangible Balance Sheet and a little bit more about her life story. Kristen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Very excited. We, we are as well. And so, Kristen, if there are newer listeners, the reason we call this um, the intangible balance sheet, if you're wondering, is uh, I believe that there are things more valuable to us than money um, and that we're financially irrational about them. Um, given any amount of money, we wouldn't trade them, right? Uh, whether it's experiences, whether it's principles. Um, but more often than not, I believe that our life's principles, our first principles are bound up um, in stories sometimes. And so this podcast is an opportunity to share some of those stories, whether they're from your parents, grandparents, or your personal life, and then also give our guests an opportunity to share what's on their heart that they hope gets passed on uh, to whether it's their family or those that come after them in the next coming generation. So thank you uh, again for for sharing with our audience. Um, I find that it's easiest uh, probably, you know, if one, you give us just a, a brief background on yourself real quick, and then we'll dive into the more formal questions. Okay. Well, I grew up in a small town called Dover, Ohio. It's got about 13,000 people now. It had about 12,000 people when I graduated high school 20 years ago. So it's still small and um, it's a sweet little town. I spent Fridays at grandma's house after school with my cousins. Um, I spent weekends and summers at the YMCA and at Atwood Lake swimming with my family. And um, we had church on Sundays until I was old enough to protest. And then um, I grew up with my mom taking me to dance classes Sunday through Sunday, every day of the week. Um, she bought as many dance classes as she could in that little town. And um, and just working, helping my dad pull the weeds or clean my bike with a Brillo pad one time <laughs> because I asked for a new one. And that was his response. Let's make this one pretty. And um, yeah. That sounds uh, like it was so much fun. Um, one of the, the things that I found um, that uh, I, I wasn't quite expecting when I first started this endeavor is um, the idea of how our grandparents shape some of how we think and, and our perception. And there are a ton of neat stories that I've run across in the in the time being. Are there any stories that jump out at you that were shaping uh, about your grandparents? 
My, my poppy was a coal miner when he was 14 years old. Um, mm. If I have the story correct, I probably should have checked this out with my aunt first, but I think he was The 14. legend is better than the myth. Yes, and, let's you know. just go with this. So <laughs> he was 14 and he would crawl into the mines with a big bag and fill it up with coal. And these are the hills of Ohio and then crawl back out. And um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the fourth turning. Um, it's, it's this theory that, um, and I, I have some notes here that hard times create strong men, mm-hmm. strong men create good times, good times create weak men and weak men create hard times. It's kind of this cycle. Well, I think of my poppy as someone that um, had some hard times because shortly after that he grew up and then he went to World War II. Mm-hmm. And, um, and a pivotal moment for our family is when he and my grandma Blakely adopted my dad and then another another young man um who became my uncle and um they they adopted two boys after they had raised their own two daughters to be grown women and so Mm -hmm. um apparently the story is that my poppy was a little bit rowdy and the priest told him at the time yes you can adopt but you need to kind of settle down a little bit and so he did and um but he was just a really sweet soul. And and there's a lot of stories about my grandma Blakely, who is a force, was a force. She just died at 100 oh. years old um, uh, recently. And um, she, one story is that she taught the first women's swimming class at the YMCA, the local YMCA in Dover. What year was and, this, approximately? Oh, wow, probably... I would guess in the sixties. Okay. Uh, that's a total guess based on how old my parents are, but um, yeah, she taught the first women's class there at the YMCA and eventually taught, you know, like water aerobics and yoga and all this stuff. But she also entered so many Pillsbury bake-offs that she was not allowed to enter anymore. And oh. uh, so she would enter into her family's under her family's names for kids and grandkids names. And then when those recipes won, she would have to take them to the bake-off and have them bake the recipe that she turned in under their name. Sounds so, a little personal, uh, the exclusion, rather. Yeah. But. <laughs> she was amazing. And so, yeah, she to me, she seems kind of like the original feminist who just, you know, she, but she didn't complain about anything or her place in the world. She just went and accomplished things without talking about it. Now, she hmm. would be the first one to tell you what she accomplished. Of course, she was very proud, but she wouldn't make a big, um, you know, example of why she was not able to do something in a man's world. She just went and made her own magic. So hmm. I really like that about her. Now, tell us a little bit more about your parents and maybe even um, I'm finding too, like mentors within your community. Uh, are there any stories that had a shaping effect on you? for either of those two um, instances that you're willing to share with our audience? My parents met at Muskingum College, and I grew up hearing how much fun they had with their sorority and their fraternity. And so I was, I did my best to live up to the challenge when I went to Ohio State to have as much fun or more fun than they did. But um, my mom worked, and somehow she still had time to sew all of my costumes, made me breakfast every morning, dinner every night at the table with my parents, um, prayers before bedtime. 
when we were younger. And um, my favorite memory of my mom growing up is hearing her Bible pages turning in bed. She would let me sleep with her if my dad was out of town for work. And mm. I'll just never forget that sound. It's just so calming. And um, I hope I hope my daughter gets to hear that today, too. And um, my dad was in sales. He one time had me have an entire sales pitch door to door for the Girl Scout cookie sale. And we had a very big goal, sales goal that we had put on ourselves. And we had an entire garage full of Girl Scout cookies to uh, deliver that year. We we went to several neighborhoods selling Girl Scout cookies <laughs> door to door. So um, he took me to all my dance competitions on the East Coast from Michigan to Florida, gave me so much, probably more confidence than I deserved. I thought I was really amazing. So uh, mm -hmm. we spent a lot of miles on the road together doing that. Mm. Um, some mentors that that really influence me now are my Aunt Sue and my Uncle Joe. That would be my dad's sister. Um, Aunt Sue is Grandma Blakely's daughter, and she um, and Joe, they are the best listeners. I could cry just mm. talking about them. They, um, they show up in person for everything that they can show up for, um, and they help the underdogs every time. If there's a, a teenager in need, they're there to help out. They can move in with them for weeks if they need to to get straightened out and get some advice and help and um, they call me to sing happy birthday every year I pick up the phone I already know they're going to start singing the full mm -hmm. happy birthday song and um, and then my friend Lonnie my friend Lonnie is uh, when I first moved to Texas 17 years ago now she started talking to me about Jesus and the Bible and I knew him from childhood but we were not super close uh, and so there, that started a, a really long, um, awesome relationship with Jesus, which is, is everything of course, to me now today. Mm. So those are my mentors and I could talk about them for a very long time. I don't know if we have time. <laughs> uh, so how did you meet Lonnie? Lonnie was my boss. She was my first boss out of college. I went to college to be a dancer, of course, and that didn't pan out. So I became a nutrition major. And then I um, wanted to move to Texas with my boyfriend at the time, my fiance at the time. So I got a job at a bank and she was my boss mm. at this bank. And, um, you know, the, the boyfriend fell away, the job fell away, but she remained. and. Um, now I'm in energy, uh, you know, <laughs> procurement. So you just don't know what your path is going to be. So the reason I ask is uh, the next question that I typically ask is the, you know, the revolves around the pivotal events of our life, what we consider to be the pivotal events. Um, as you think through your life, you know, it sounds like uh, you mentioned one, what are some of the other events that um, have shaped you and, and guide you as you look back? Shortly after I met Lonnie, I met my husband. Mm. Um, she was in, um, she was in an accident and she was in the hospital and he was her pastor at the time. And we both happened to be visiting her in the hospital one day and we met and, um, and then of course I'm having my two babies. I have a almost three-year-old Magnolia Jane and a four-month-old, uh, Lottie Josephine. Mm. So. Beautiful names. Yeah. Now, Thank you. I want you to think 
four four generations from now. Um, if if you can even imagine that, I tried to do that uh, the other day just mathematically, and it was really hard. But it was really interesting to see like the overlaps. You know, if the Lord gives me that amount of time on this earth of yeah. like what kids will be doing, you know, hypothetically, you know, and and whatever else. But I think four generations from now, um, you know, most likely, you know, we're gone. What do you think are some of the things that you want your great grandchildren's kids and or generation and community um, to think about uh, what what are some of the events of your life that you think would be most instructive for them uh, if you want to pass those on? Well, I think everyone's going to know that the Sunday school answer is always Jesus. So knowing Jesus and the rest is just bonus material, but um, to dig a little deeper, I think looking back through my stories of my parents and my grandparents, their work ethic and their optimism. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's a lot of negative headlines right now and a lot of just negativity and it's really can get us down. And I really thrive on, on my dad's optimism um, and my aunt Sue and uncle Joe's optimism and uh, everyone's willingness to just, just, make their own way. I mean, of course we know, uh, God's in control, but, um, he gives us gifts to use. And I think that it's our responsibility to learn what those are and use them for good for people around you. Um, and to help your family grow and just, uh, yeah. So I guess, I guess that's my answer. Did they ever share why they were optimistic or where they got their optimism from? It, that out of curiosity, because it, it's always fascinated me how I I know some people are just predisposed to be more sun you know sunshine yeah. and and um, just just happier people right like it's you can have a genetic predisposition for that but I'm always curious I don't believe that it's just that there's got to be something something else but um in any thoughts or guesses on your end. No, other than, you know, the hard times that my grandparents went through the depression and grew up, you know, kind of tough. And so my only thought is that they made it through World War II with this beautiful family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at that time, everything was growing after that and a happy time. So uh, I don't know if they just appreciated it. And we're able to pass on that appreciation and helping other people. There's a joy in helping other people mm-hmm. that you don't get from uh, just taking care of yourself, right? Yeah. So, um, I don't know. They just they just must have those genes that you were talking yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and this is a, this is circling back a little bit, but I am curious, and I've resisted the urge to ask to this point, and I just I got to ask. So. What is there? Is there another story behind the your your dad's adoption? Like, what was going on spiritually? What was going on socially um, that sparked it, that that uh, you know they, they've already raised two daughters? You'd said. Um, I, I'm really curious behind what what was going on in their lives spiritually that that led them to meet those needs. And and how old were about were your dad and your uncle when they were adopted? 
I don't know for sure how old my uncle was, but my dad was 10 weeks. And I know mm. that because I asked my Aunt Sue when I had my first baby and I was rocking her. Mm. I thought, how, how long until my daddy got to be rocked by his mm. mama? Mm-hmm. And I just could not imagine waiting 10 weeks, let alone some babies that wait years, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't okay. know. I've wondered that. And I wish I could ask them now. They've both passed away. But mm. um, I think their family just had a mindset and a heart for service. They just yeah. jumped in where they could and helped where they could. And um, my aunts are the same way. Um, so I think that's. Mm. That's my, well, I don't know. I wish I yeah. could find out, but it's, it's a theme in our family. My aunt Sue likes to joke, you know, oh, we have so much in common. You know, I think that's because you take after me and it's, it's, <laughs> it's our joke because we, I don't take after her, but, um, but we pretend that we do. So, yeah. Well, y- you become spiritually like those you hang out with. So there you go. Um, yeah. so you do in, in, in ways I'm sure. Um, yeah. so, um, the the next question that I, I always ask folks um, has to do with our eulogy. Um, I get this from you know th- there are some people that say you know you should write your you should write your eulogy and, and update it you know as often right as far as like what you want to do because it's beginning with the end in mind so on and so forth. Um, I got to write my mother's eulogy and so th- that's the piece in my head that I just can't get get out of my head of like, Hey, what would she have wanted me to write? What would she have wanted me to include? What would she have not wanted me to include or wanted me to include, but acted like she didn't want me to include it, you know, so on and so forth. So I'm, I'm very curious to hear from you. Um, what are some of the things that, and it doesn't need to be all inclusive, of course, because it's, it's still Lord willing being, being written, right. But what would you want? What do you want included? Um, if you if you had the you know the ultimate hand on the oar and could decide what was in your eulogy, honestly, I have not written it, and it was this was the hardest question to think about. Um, I recently attended a funeral, and the woman was incredible. And what everyone remembered about her was how much she loved Jesus and how much she helped others. And so, mm-hmm. wow, what a legacy! And but I, for me to write my own feels a bit prideful. I couldn't do it. I just was like, I don't, this is weird. But, you know, our generations above us, they've got this rap sheet of yeah. accomplishments like this board so and that board. And It's interesting so, that you mentioned that. So I recently had a guest, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and share this real quick. Uh, and he said, um, he was a speechwriter. Um, and he said, you know, I've, I've had the ability to hear a lot of eulogies and maybe even help other people with some eulogies. And he said, you know, focus on, he said, you know, I want to focus on not on accomplishments because he's very accomplished, but he said, I want to focus on qualities. Um, and it's, it's interesting that you, that you mentioned the qualities that you were hearing in that eulogy recently. So I, I, it stuck with me. So I had to share, sorry. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And there's another, there's an older gentleman, Henry. Um, I went to his funeral of some years back and there were not very many people there. There were like, I don't know, 20 people. But the reason that was shocking is I thought there would be a line out the door based on all the stories that those 20 people told about him. And it it was Mm -hmm. about his, um, it was about him helping so many students with money for college or helping, Mm -hmm. um, just helping people that 
that probably didn't know he died or had moved on in life and accomplished something and lived somewhere else and weren't able to come. You know, it's, it's, and to me, what stood out is that he wasn't known for his accomplishments so big that everyone came to his funeral, but there are souls out there that I'm sure have infinite gratitude for the mark that he made on that world. And I would like, I would like that if one per, if only my husband was at my funeral or only my daughter, that would be totally fine with me. Yep. If, if God knew all the little things that I did that no one knows about, that's kind of what I prefer. But I did say uh, that if I do die anytime soon, Jake, I want everyone to be singing so loud with celebration and worship hymns at my funeral. And then I want a huge party afterwards of joy. <laughs> I, I, I like kicking myself because I didn't stand up. I could feel the tension like people wanted to stand up and sing some hymns at that last funeral, but they were just mm-hmm. kind of being timid. And I wish I would have just jumped up. I should have. <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, I, I, I can uh, definitely agree with the sentiment um, for sure. Um, Kristen, thank you so much um, for your time and your willingness to share with us today. Uh, are there any other uh, thoughts that you had that we didn't get to or anything else that you'd like to share before we, we uh, sign off? Yeah, just what I hope people remember, um, if I did have to pick something, was just that I was um, loving others well. I've got some work to do, so thank you for the opportunity to reflect on this. This was a good exercise for me. I get so busy with the day-to-day that I I don't think about the big picture. And so I want to be like Sue and Joe when I grow up, and I want to be a mom to my children like my mom was to me, just always there to support me. So I need to learn how to sew. <laughs> yes, indeed. Thank you, Kristen, uh, so much for your time. Um, please know that we're wishing you and your family continued truth, beauty, and goodness on the road ahead. Thank you, Josh. Thank you again for joining us. We trust that this time has left you better equipped to steward both your wealth and your financial resources. May you and your family find truth, beauty, and goodness on the road ahead. The opinions voiced in the Wisdom and Wealth podcast by Josh Clues are for general information purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principle. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, please consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. The guests on the Wisdom and Wealth podcast are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services are offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Please know that converting from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA is a taxable event. A Roth IRA offers tax-free withdrawals on taxable contributions. To qualify for a tax-free and penalty-free withdrawal on earnings, a Roth IRA must be in place for at least five tax years. The distribution must take place after age 59 and a half or due to death, disability, or a first-time home purchase of up to $10,000 lifetime maximum. Depending on state law, Roth IRA distributions may be subject to state taxes. Our local address is 1780 Hughes Landing, Suite 570, Woodlands, Texas, 77380.